Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. My next guest is a prolific Hollywood star who's enjoyed critical acclaim for his roles in films like Star Trek, The Barrytown Trilogy, and Lair Cake. In 2019, he received the coveted Lifetime Achievement Award for an exceptional career in the arts. And now, after more than 40 years, he's returning to the Irish stage, acting alongside his daughter in Bedbound, a play about a father and his polio-stricken daughter confined to a tiny Dublin bedroom. Earlier, I caught up with actor Colin Meany and asked why, after a career spanning more than four decades, he's yet to learn that being cooped up with your offspring is not a good idea. You'd think I would have more sense, but, um, well, I haven't done a huge amount of theatre over the last 20-odd years. I mean, I did I did uh, Cat and Hot in Roof of the West End in 18, and I did um, uh, Iceman Cometh in, in, on Broadway in, in, in 19. But prior to that, it would have been 07. I did, I've done uh, a show at the Old Vic. Um, but, so I kind of try to stay away from theatre. But, but, but occasionally you're offered something that is just irresistible, you know? And, and my problem is that I make the mistake of, of reading or rereading the play and realising how good it is, you know? And you kind of... It was like that with Cat in the Hot Tin Roof. I mean, how do you duck Big Daddy, you know, if you're offered offer that? And a, and a great production with Sienna Miller and Jack O'Connell and the great director, Mike Benedict Andrews. And equally with the Iceman Cometh on Broadway, you know, George C. Wolfe was directing and, and I had wanted to work with him for 30 years since I saw the original production of Angels in America. And, of course, Denzel Washington was playing Hickey as well. So, so it's like these great projects come along and you kind of say, I, I, you know, you can't, even though you're trying to avoid the theatre, you can't avoid it. This one was, was somewhat different in that <clears throat> it was partly my daughter, it's, she entrapped me. <laughs> um, she, had, she had worked with this, uh, our director, Mark Atkinson, in, um, in New York. And Mark came to her and said, look at this play, but at the end of Bedbound. And said, what do you think of doing this with your dad? And so Brenda approached me about it. And, you know, I read the play, and it's an amazing play. But it's really, I mean, it's, it's you know, two characters. It's, it's very Beckett in a way. Two characters trapped in a room, uh, endless speeches. I mean, two three-page speeches, which at this stage of the game, you know, I could I could do without, to be honest. But, um, but it's, it, again, it's kind of... And the opportunity to work with your daughter, uh, you know, it doesn't come up 
practically never comes up. So it was just, I kind of went, well, you know, this is a different uh, temptation, but an equally strong temptation. So I said, I'd do it. There is a, an irony to the fact that you're, you're about to go uh, and, and do this project with your daughter, because as I understand it, you discouraged your daughter, Brenda, from acting, and now here you are acting with her. Why? Yeah, that's true. I think, I think most actors do that. I think, you, you know, a, a lot of, certainly... I have actor friends of mine who are parents also had similar feelings. When your kids growing up, you think, you know, there's so many other wonderful professions out there. You don't have to be an actor. You know, you don't just because I'm doing it doesn't mean you should do it. So we did um, discourage her as a kid, and um, I mean, she did a few plays at school and stuff like that, and enjoyed it. And um, when it came time to go to college, she seemed to want to be a. Uh, an archaeologist was the kind of she was. She did uh, history, history of art, um, ancient history, and she, she seemed to be going towards a um, a career as an archaeologist, which I was thrilled about. And then she got her bachelor's degree and was hanging around afterwards for about a year. And I said, "What do you want to do postgraduate? What do you want to do?" And she said, "Dad, I want to act." You know, and I'm like, "Oh God, <laughs> I thought we dodged that one." And so I said, you know, well, I know you think you know, you know, you know everything that you grew up in a household of two actors, but, but you know, you need to go to drama school. And uh, for once, she listened to me, and she got herself into Yale, and uh, she went to, uh, she did her master's degree in acting at Yale Drama School. So, well, you you mentioned Yale there, and um, it's illustrative of the fact that I think you and your daughter had very different upbringings and, and you, get, you get what you deserve, don't you? If you bring your child up in Los Angeles, then there's every possibility that they're going to want to become a, an actor. Um, but tell me, tell me a little bit about your own childhood growing up and how possible the idea of an acting career seemed to you at the time. I mean, I, I, I lived in Ireland at the same time as, as you were contemplating, um, you know, embarking on a thespian career. And I, I know it wasn't the easiest thing uh, to be thinking of doing. No, it wasn't, and it was completely out of the blue. Like there was no history of of of, of, of anybody in my family being in the uh, in, in the entertainment business generally. But um, my granddad used to take me to theatre shows um, in the old Theatre Royal in, in Dublin, which was a famous. But they were more like kind of variety shows. But it did give me a kind of a fascination, I guess, with the stage and that. You know, when I was very small, like I'm talking about, you know, four, five, six. And then I guess from the time my early teens, I kind of had it in the back of my head that I wanted to uh, try and do it. And I found a drama school, in, in night, night classes at a drama school when I was about 14 and did a bit of that. And then kind of stopped and concentrated on school for a bit. And then later on, I, I, I at 17, I, I applied to the Abbey School of Acting, the Irish National Theatre School of Acting was accepted there and, and 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 that was really the only way into the profession in Ireland at that time. There were basically two two theatres in Dublin, you know, the Abbey and the Gate. Uh, and there was the 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 RT, the the, the radio television, the equivalent of the BBC in Ireland, you know, had what they called the repertory company. They did basically radio plays. Uh, and that was a kind of a that was a source of employment as well, mm. but that was about it. You know, there was no there was no um, 
industry as such in Ireland at that stage. I, I mean, it was quite a, a political theatre scene, as I remember at the time as well. I mean, a bit later on, maybe in the 70s, when you had the Project Arts Theatre and, and, and places like that. And, and I think you were quite politicised as a young man. Did you see acting in the theatre as a, as, a, as a route to exploring more than just drama? Yes, I think I did. I, I mean, I think one of the things, well, one of the things that early influences are, are things that sort of you know, inspired me was was I remember Lindsay Anderson's film If, oh, yeah. um, about the the boarding school, which was an extraordinary piece of work. So, I mean, I was already political before I started in drama school, but then I was I mean, I, I kind of had to, you know, just concentrate on being an actor in the mainstream classical theatre. But then I moved to London in the early seventies, and. Um, I, I worked at the Half Moon Theatre Company. It was a famous uh, fringe company in the in Allgate East, in the East End of London. And then um, I, I would luckily from there was invited to join Seven Eighty Four Theatre Company. That was, you know, a very famous political theatre company, run, founded and run by John McGrath, a great, great playwright and, and uh, um, screenplay writer. Yeah, and um, even the name so, of that theatre company was uh, politicised, wasn't it? Of course, yes, yes. Seven percent of the population own eighty-four percent of the wealth. Was the 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 um, sort of reason for the name? And now has it um, become five percent? So things haven't really changed. I would that say it's probably yeah, it's probably less. Yeah, possibly down to two and a half percent. I don't know, but it's certainly no better. That's for sure. Um, so you, you know, um, I was in a situation with seven eighty-four where. I really felt like fulfilled. I was, I was, I was acting, but I had a great playwright, political playwright like John McGrath, actually writing parts for me, and um, it was the most wonderful, uh, um, you know, early uh, kind of. It was kind of like a continuous training as well in that. You know, I had I I done two years at the School of Acting in the Abbey. I'd been in the Abbey Company for a year, but there were still aspects of my craft that, that I needed to work on, and, and John helped me do that very much, you know. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
How do you go from 784, the touring theatre company, you know, campaigning for a better division of wealth and, you know, socialist ideals and so on? You're a, a paid-up member, I think, of, of the official Sinn Féin um, mm-hmm. as well. How do you go from that to life as an actor in uh, Los Angeles? Well, it sort of happened in stages, you know. I, I was in London for a few years and and, and, and doing mostly that, mostly uh, touring. I, I hopped back and forth then to Dublin to the Abbey. They invited me back a few times to do jobs. And then I moved to New York in 82, uh, wanting to experience that and experience America. And... Um, a few years in New York and I was working in regional theatres in America like um, Chicago, Cleveland, Washington, D.C., places like that. And um, I realised I didn't really feel a a vocation to bring classical theatre to the American Midwest. You know, I can't think why not. What am I doing here? And and at the time as well, the you know there was New York was very much a theatre town, and Los Angeles was say uh, was if you wanted to work in film and television, you had to go to Los Angeles. So um, so I, I kind of because at the time as well, I realised also that you, you know to make a, a living, to be able to afford to buy a house and raise a family, you gotta do film and television. You gotta be you gotta be working in you know, a better paid situation. So that was a that was an element in it too. I'm trying to take the leap from seven eighty four and touring. We all did things in our youth, obviously. Um mm. and, and, and then to Los Angeles and Star Trek and I mean, did you lose a part of yourself along the way or do you feel that, that it was, you know, necessity driving you? I never felt that I lost a part of myself. No, I mean, I, I, I felt that like there were all new adventures in a way, you know. Mm. Each one was like kind of, you know, oh yeah, let's do that. Yeah, and I had fun. I have to say, <laughs> I, I had a lot of fun along the way. But but each one seemed like a new adventure. And I've I've always, I mean, I kind of realized that you know, I could never really be a political activist in the common sense of it in this profession because in this profession you're constantly moving around and, you know, you're not you're not in the one place where you can consistently contribute um as as a political activist. You know, it's it's more we're kind of like gypsies, you know. So but I have always read and I have always had opinions and I've always to try to participate as much as I can in uh, in, in political uh, debates, especially. So what would be um, uh, your opinion at this point in time? Uh, you know, I mean, your career began, uh, and we were both around at a time when, when government grants were available for working-class people to go to college, yeah. uh, to go to drama school. I'm sure it wouldn't have been possible for you um, otherwise. Um do you feel that the the arts are still open to people well, from all classes? Well, surprisingly enough, you know the the the, the Abbey School of Acting, the, the National Theatre School of Acting, was free. Yeah, I mean it was it was it was uh, there were no fees involved. So so that was as that were was our universities once. Yes, yes. Um, I, I mean, I, yeah, I agree. I think it's. I mean, you know, for me, um, like the period I had in the UK uh, with seven ninety four and Belton Braces, another great theatre company at the time. And that could not happen today. That just can't, they don't exist anymore. All those great theater companies like Red Labber, you know, uh, 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 Joint Stock, Common Stock, you know, all the, the great work, Max Stafford Clark did and all that. Mm. that. None of that could happen today. It's, 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 it, it's, 
after Thatcher, those the, all all of those options were wiped out. The, the, the arts were were just decimated, you know. And with a political agenda too, like with the let's you know first to go with the lefty, the lefty theater companies. Um, so yeah, it's it's I, I mean it's it's bad in Ireland, but I think it's actually from what I can tell, worse in the UK. And you're seeing it in the actors coming through that we're getting back to the stage where most. Um, you know, emerging actors tend to, or a lot of them certainly tend to be from Oxbridge, you know? I mean, those, the great breakthrough that was made in, in, the, in the early 60s with, you know, Albert Finney and Tom Courtney and all these wonderful actors seems to be uh, a thing of the past. Well, you'd certainly be spoilt for choice casting if, wouldn't you, at the moment? <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> and also, I suppose, just, you know, in terms of the just general economic landscape at the moment, you know, I mean, here in in uh, the UK, we've got nurses, train drivers, pilots, I mean, you name it, they're all on strike. Um, and I think actors in particular, they struggle anyway, but they're struggling too. And uh, nowadays, of course, not protected by a union most of them because nobody joins. No, again, that's, that's another, another, yeah, another uh, wonderful achievement by Mrs. Thatcher to destroy the trade union movement. Yeah. Um, since then, you know, we, 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 the equity lost its closed shop. So uh, actors, and I'm, I'm, it's, it's shocking, and I blame the actors as well to some extent. But I remembered on Star Trek, uh, an actor came over from the UK to join the cast, and I was asking how, how, how. Uh, the equity meetings were going, you know, because I used to attend a lot of equity meetings when I lived in London. And he said, uh, oh, I don't know, I'm not a member. And I said, how can you work as an actor and not be a member? And this was like, you know, the early 90s. And um, there's, oh, you don't remember the union anymore. And nowadays, most, most actors working in the UK are not union members. And as a result... I've worked on a film recently in the UK where you could you could work twelve hours straight without a break. It's Dickensian the way it's gone, you know. Mm. We 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 used to have a thing called French hours on the film the film industry where you, you could work eight hours straight without a lunch break, but you'd be fed during you know like on the run basis, and then after eight hours you had to pull the plug. They've now reintroduced that in the UK called a, ten hour, a continuous day, which is a 10-hour day, and the option to do overtime, two hours overtime. And, of course, option means, it doesn't mean option. I mean, you know, especially for crew, if they refuse to do the overtime, they probably won't be there next week. You know, I, I, I say to actors, like, you know, if you won't join a union, it's going to get worse and worse. I did want to know what it was like uh, being a kid in Dublin in the 60s, coming from, you know, the, the, the not the wrong side of the tracks, but, you know, you, you, you didn't come from a sort of artsy, liberal background. I wonder how seriously people took you when you were a teenager wanting to be an actor. Did, did you get the fist taken out of you? Something rotten is what I'm asking, really. <laughs> Yes, I did. <laughs> but I survived it. <laughs> it made you the man you are today, did it? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't quite go that far, but, but I, I, at least I survived it. <laughs> Listen, Colm, just finally, um, on Star Trek, because obviously a lot of people know you from your performance there, um, there were rumours of a, of a Tarantino spin-off. Is there any chance we'll be seeing you in that or carrying on with it? Oof. I, 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 I doubt it very much. I mean, I spent seven years in the space suit and uh, 
quite honestly, that was that was enough for me. <laughs> but yeah, but look, you never say never in this business. But I would be very, I would doubt it very much. Hmm. Watch this face. That was Irish actor and Hollywood star Colm Meany. Bedbound is on at the Galway International Arts Festival from the 14th of July and in Dublin from the 8th of August. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.